0: We're the Sunday after Easter, you know, what does the cross, what does the resurrection mean? And it it, it demonstrates the power of grace over all of our sin, that we, even in our brokenness and our lostness, we are right with God because of Jesus. Um, I do want to welcome all who are here, those that are online. My name is Drew Smith. I get to be the pastor here at College Hill Presbyterian Church. Often, uh, this, this Sunday, it's sorta, sorta like, um, a memory I have of my dog, Sam, who was a car chaser. I mean, I, the poor UPS guy, I mean, I just felt for him, but Sam would just chase him almost all the way down the street, which I always wondered, you know, when the dog was chasing, what were you gonna do if you caught it? You know what exactly was this chase about and it's uh, can re- remember one time going uh, deep sea uh, fishing with the with the kids, and we were out in the Gulf of Mexico, and one of the kids I forget who it was you know caught one you know and gets all excited because he's caught one and they and they left the rod there He just went running around hey i caught a fish well you gotta reel the fish in now you know and so then finally with the help of others reeled the fish in and then the fish came in and the kid got sort of scared and then the fish they got the fish out of the water and he started flapping and went screaming and running and it's sort of like what well, this is what you do when you catch the fish and then we undid it and put it back in the water But it's sort of like, what do you do when you catch the fish? What do you do when you catch the car? What do we do after the explosion of the resurrection? How how do we live into the explosion of that? Besides just making it a nice day once a year where we have more flowers and eat together. what? How does that impact us? And what did it do for sure in the church in that day? You know, in, in Jesus' day, what, what kind of difference did that make for them? And that's, that's what we'll look at today. What what did they do? And what, as we'll see, what were Jesus' words, his final words uh, to them? Our passage is in Acts chapter 1. Uh, verse 1 through 11, uh, the book of Acts is written by Luke, who also wrote the gospel of Luke. So uh, as we're we're going to spend uh, the next several months walking through the book of Acts and, and how it teaches us. Th- this is how we've always done it. The, the, th- this is This is our heritage, the book of Acts. So how does that apply for us uh, today? Um, and so if, if during this time you, you want to go read through the book of Luke while we're also going through Acts, you'll start to see some of the, sim- even today, we'll see some of the similarities of, of how Luke tells different stories then and tells in, in Luke and then he tells some stories in Acts and how he's tying them uh, together. But let's, uh, let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you again for your written word as it speaks to us of your truth. Now, may your spirit open our eyes, our very souls, to to see, to hear, receive from you, and to share with others, to apply in our lives and and share with others just your goodness and your beauty. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 1, starting with uh, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus... For the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So when they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So the first command that we see that the first command of Jesus in this story of the New Testament church is to wait. Wait together. That's what he wants them to do. Wait together until the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You stay here in Jerusalem. You wait here until my power comes. Now, is that not a bummer? Is that not a way to, to, to pour fire, to pour water on the fire? I mean, wait. Wait. Why do you want me to wait? Waiting causes... It, it kills the vibe. Right? I think we've got a picture of waiting here. Yeah. Who likes waiting? That just stops us from the momentum that we've developed. Don't we have to get working in order to make the kingdom happen? Don't we have stuff to do? Yes, but not yet. This is a reminder to the church then and to us. This is God's work. This is up to God, not you, not me. This is not dependent upon my strategy, your strategy, or or our abilities. This is dependent upon God. And there's a place in which we live our lives always in the spot, in the space of waiting. Because God's the one that has to make it happen. But often, we, we can be the same, those people. We can be those people that are at the elevator, Pushing the button about 15 times. You know, somehow thinking that if I push it 15 times, that's going to make the elevator come. But our place is to wait upon the Lord. This is God's plan, God's power, not ours. And you can hear that in in, in the disciples uh, later on in the, the passage, you know, when the, the one question they asked them after he said wait, go to Jerusalem, wait upon the, the Holy Spirit, wait upon my promises, and then they said is now the time, is that the time that you're going to renew the kingdom, bring the kingdom back to Israel? Is that when we finally take over? Is that when we finally get rid of these Romans who are oppressing us? Is that when we finally get to worship you and peace and tranquility is that when it comes to us and then Jesus tells him well again stay in your lane you you don't need to know when you don't know the times or the seasons that's for God to do You, you just wait wait for the Lord because it is not a pretty sight when we get ahead of the Lord. You know, if many of you may know, remember the story of Abraham and Sarah and how God said, you're going to have a son. And Abram, to his credit, he waited a long time, but about at age 90, he said, okay, it's not working with you, Sarah. So let me go with Hagar. And Abram got ahead of God because Abram had, it was just nine more years before Abraham and Sarah were to have A child. Again. That's a whole lot to ask of Abraham. But that's a whole lot to ask of all of us. To live in faith. That God's the one fulfilling his promise. And we're called to obey him. And wait on him. Um, Yesterday morning. I didn't practice what I'm preaching now. Got up. Man had a hankering. Had me some. Some real bread from the local bakery, you know, the real stuff—the stuff that molds after three or four days. It, not the stuff that hangs around for weeks and just looks the same. Uh, had me a piece, had me a loaf of that kind of bread. Had me an avocado, and man, it was looking good. It was a dark green too, but I felt it was a little firm. Oh, that's all right. I believe it, it's going to be—it's going to be good. Yeah, but in actuality, I cut it open. And if you know anything about avocados, that's not a ripe one. Yeah. And it just, it wasn't there and I cut into it and it was hard and crunchy and all the rest. And it's like, if I just waited till the right time, to God's time, I wouldn't have wasted a perfectly good avocado. Learning to wait is a real challenge. A real challenge for us, because we, we tend to think time is money. Well, time is valuable, probably more valuable than money. But time isn't money, time is God's. And we're trusting God. One of my favorite passages about waiting is Psalm 37. The 3 through 7. You can look at the whole thing. Another one is Isaiah 40. That's probably one that's more famous. You know, those that wait upon the Lord will renew themselves. They'll take up wings like eagles. They will walk and not faint. That, that's Isaiah 40. But Isaiah 37 helps. Uh, I think we have Isaiah 37 here. It, it's, uh, it gives you um, what it means to wait on the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. So there's there's a lot of activity when we're waiting on the Lord. There's a lot of, of trust in the Lord. I mean, and that's one of the synonyms for waiting. When you're waiting on the Lord, when you're still before the Lord, it means you're trusting in the Lord. You're doing good. You're dwelling in the land. You're working the land. You're doing the stuff you have to do. You're befriending faithfulness, the psalmist tells us. You delight yourself in the Lord. You commit your way to the Lord. Trusting on Him, ultimately, to act. So there's a lot that we do as we're waiting, but it's whole focused on learning to trust in Him and not in ourselves, relying upon Him, delighting in Him, committing to Him first and foremost and in all ways. And it's the reason that we come together every Sunday. It's the reason we come together in growth groups. It's the reason that we come together in prayer meetings. Because we're encouraging, helping, supporting one another. To wait upon the Lord. To trust in Him. To do what is good. To depend upon Him. Knowing He has the final say. Because it it helps to wait. To be patient. Before the Lord. Together. Uh, Several Several years ago now, that uh, Kathy, my wife, and I were in San Diego for a uh, conference together. And it was a Saturday, um, and we were at the airport on our way back here because I was supposed to be here on, on Sunday. And as we're waiting, uh, you start to hear some rumblings about delays, you know, the airplane, and that's not a good thing. You know, okay, this is not going to go well. And as we're... At our gate, hearing some of this, we turn around and we see Roger and Kathy with a K, Howell. Roger Howell uh, used to be the uh, president of City Gospel Mission. And, and Kathy's wife is a pastor of the Methodist church in Spring Grove Village. And we've known them for years. And we're, so we run into them in the, I think it was the San Diego, maybe it was the L.A. airport. Um, that we run into them and we're on the same flight. Or the same delayed, eventually canceled flight. Yeah. So, but we're together. Hey, there's a restaurant. Let's go eat. They're paying for dinner. Let's go have dinner together. We eat, we watch the basketball game. We then get a ride to our hotel, you know, where they've given us rooms. We get a ride in the morning and we just have a jovial old time. And at the time, Chappie was still here. And I call up Chappie and say, Hey, Chappie, remember I told you I was in the airport lane on Saturday. I'll call you. Well, bad news. I'm not going to be there, so can you do what I was supposed to to do? And he did, and it was fine. But uh, the Smiths and the Howells had a great, unexpected little visit together. Waiting together makes it all different, which is what one of the things the church is to do, is to wait upon the Lord together. Now the next thing then Jesus says now what I want you to do what you're you're what's about to happen is then you're going to share what you see you're going to be witnesses witnesses to what you see about me now I've got a little um and that's what he says you know when the spirit comes upon you you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem Judea Samaria to the ends of the earth now I've got a, a video Um, put out by the the Bible Project. Some of you have seen those because I sent them out when we were reading Matthew during Lent. Great little videos. And this one's uh, a couple minutes uh, around what witness really means in the biblical text. Uh, It's used actually 167 times. Let's see if this uh, will work.
1: When you hear the word witness, you might think of someone who sees something shocking or important and then shares their testimony with others. The word witness is used like this in the Bible, too, but here's what's really fascinating. This word actually helps us understand the entire storyline of Scripture. In the Bible, a witness is basically someone who sees something important or amazing. In Hebrew, this person is an aid, and in Greek, a martus. And if this person begins to share what they've seen, we call this bearing witness, in Hebrew, oud, and in Greek, martureo. So in the story of Ruth, when Boaz buys land from Naomi's family, he calls together witnesses to see the transaction so that if there's a later dispute about the land, they can bear witness about what they saw. So that's the basic meaning of the word witness. Now, if we follow this idea throughout the Bible, we learn that God wants a group of witnesses, people who see and experience him to ood or represent him to the world. So beginning with the story of the Exodus, the people of Israel witness Yahweh as the powerful king of the nations when he rescues them from slavery. Then he appoints this one nation to bear witness, or ood to the rest of the nations about what they experienced. He calls them a kingdom of priests, or people who connect all other nations to Yahweh, the true God and king. But there's a big problem. The Israelites aren't good witnesses. In fact, they start worshiping other gods. So God raises up a chief witness, Moses, to ood or bear witness to the people who are supposed to be their real witnesses. When Moses meets with Yahweh on Mount Sinai, he sees and experiences God face to face. When he comes down, he oods, he bears witness to the people about his experience. He even writes a song as a witness so that they would never forget how God has cared for and rescued them. But as the story goes on, Israel does forget They fail to truly see God, so they fail as his witnesses. So God raises up prophets who are like Moses to Ud, to open their eyes to who their God really is. Like Isaiah, he has a vision of God as the cosmic king, and he's sent to Ud to bear witness to the Israel of his day because they're blind, they're corrupt, and they don't recognize God as their king. So Isaiah says that one day God will raise up the ultimate chief witness, a figure called the servant. He will open the eyes of the blind so that they can truly see Yahweh and bear witness to the nations that their God is the king who will rescue the world. And now, when we turn to the story of Jesus, we find him claiming to be that servant and witness spoken of by Isaiah. He's the ultimate witness, or in Greek, the martus. Crowds of people witness him saying that he's bringing God's kingdom, that it's here, right now, through him. They see Jesus healing people, even restoring sight to the blind. Many recognize who he is and respond to his message. But many others still refuse to truly see. Even the nation's leaders won't listen to him. Rather, they kill Jesus for bearing witness to God's kingdom. That is for being a martyr. In fact, this is where the word martyr comes from. But then, after Jesus' death, something amazing happens. Jesus' friends see him alive from the dead and they recognize that he is the divine king, Yahweh himself, who has come to rescue the world. After that, Jesus sends them out to martyreo, that is, to bear witness to the nations, to open their eyes to this risen king who has conquered death and who offers freedom and rescue and the hope of a new creation. And it's this story about Jesus that's been spread all around the world by faithful witnesses. And to this day, when someone hears the story of Jesus and experiences the love of God for all humanity, the most natural thing to do is to simply bear witness.
0: As we wait together, we now encourage, support one another to bear witness. In in God's power within us, we share with others the good things we have experienced because Jesus is alive. That he's real. And that's why as a church, we're a part of, of doing that, encouraging one another to do that wherever we live in our Jerusalems. The places that are our homes, our families, the people that are like us. With, with Judea, people that are near to us, but maybe not exactly like us. And Samaria, those that are maybe a little further away and a little more different and all the way to the ends of the earth. As you'll hear us say regularly, we want to share this good news across the street and across the sea. Which is just another way of saying what Jesus told the disciples then. To be witnesses close near and all the way that you can. Uh, so we, we we support, we participate. You'll be hearing about from different folks uh, in the course of the next several months uh, and who are global workers who take this good news to other parts of the world. Into uh, to places uh, that where the the church may even not really be welcomed, where it might even be dangerous to be uh, a Christian. But they folks that don't know or haven't heard places, particularly where there's not a, a church in those particular areas. That's why we support and participate in global missions. Um, it's why we also do things in our community, uh, like we take whiz kids into Pleasant Hill and i asked kelly um uh, forsman to to come and just share us a little bit to bear a little witness of you know just this year uh, maybe a story of what is going on uh, with uh, with wiz kids so kelly please come mm-hmm.
2: yeah so um, my name is kelly forsman if you don't know me and uh, many of you know that i've been uh, called by god to do a career change um so i am going into teaching and last year i finished in august i finished my Schooling, and I still had my student teaching to do. So September 1st, I applied for my student teaching through my university, and um, they said it'd take about 30 to 60 days to get placed. Well, I'm over at Pleasant Hill working um, in the school, and so September 1, since I was waiting for my student teaching, I decided, well, I'll just substitute teach to fill the time until I get my student teaching placement. And um, I'm going to pivot a little bit from WizKids. But anyway, so um, September came and went, October came and went, November came and went, December's done. We're in January now. And I was in one of the teacher's rooms, uh, her classroom, and she says to me, when are you going to do your student teaching? And I was kind of like, oh, well, I'm, and I just said, well, I'm just trying to be patient. Um, I'm just waiting right now. You know, the process is going and she said, and I said, you know, CPS, Cincinnati Public is working with my university and I'm just trying to be patient. And she comes back to me and she says, well, why don't you go somewhere else? And I said, well, I said, you know, I'm really just trusting God. I don't feel led anywhere else. I feel like this is where God has me. And so I'm just trusting that he's going to take care of it. And if he leads me somewhere else, great. But right now I just, I don't feel led anywhere else. And then the conversation just kind of ended. And so I left the classroom, and uh, and I kind of thought to myself, as I was that afternoon, I, darn it, I shared too much. She, she now thinks she's part of the interview team, and I just shared all this about God and leading me, and that was just too much, and I really... And the enemy was just really attacking me and so later that night I go for my run and I always process the day and God always kind of gets me to where he needs to um, Through my run and so did a lot of processing and I was like, okay I ended the night and I was like, okay, God. No, I didn't share too much I'm just gonna bear testimony about you and whatever happens happens. You are in control um, well the next day Um, this same teacher. Now she's got about 30 years of experience in teaching and like I said, she's on the interview team for positions at the school. Um, The next day she stopped me in the hallway and she said, you know, Coach Kelly? She said, you have a really strong faith. And I was taken aback. She said, I even called my mom and told her about our conversation where I had no feedback from her during the conversation. It just kind of fell flat and I thought, wow, I shared too much but she, she shared with me that next day that she, you know, that the faith that I had was so strong. And, you know, again, I gave credit to God, but, um, it just showed me that, you know, wherever I am, I need to give testimony of what God is doing in my life. And I just don't know, you know, here, I had no clue that she even would acknowledge the fact that, you know, God is God and, and he is in control. But, um, so anyway, Drew had asked me to share about, uh, whiz Kids. A lot is going on with WizKids as well. Um, the, it's amazing what God is doing through the, the tutors, the kids. I have one little guy every single day in school. I am not kidding. Every day. Coach Kelly, do we have WizKids today? No, no, nobody. We only have WizKids on Tuesday. So, but the kids just, uh, um, they're they're changed. They're changed through just the one-on-one interaction that they have with each of you through each of the tutors. Um, So I do want to say thank you to everyone who contributes in some way, whether you're even just praying for whiz kids. Um, But being a tutor, it just means so much to each of these kids. And we even have one kid that is in seventh grade who's aged out of whiz kids, and she still comes with her siblings and hangs out. Um, so it is a blessing, and it's it's a witness to these kids, um, just of the power of God and the and the love of Jesus. So thank you,
0: thanks Kelly. So we wait together, and we share what we see and experience together in simple, simple ways. Now, finally, uh, Jesus then has this this time when he ascends into the heavens. And and what we see from the angels that then speak to uh, all the disciples who are with him, saying, now you wait, you, you, you share what you see, you're witnesses, and now you're living for the sequel. You've experienced Jesus' first coming. And now you're living with your eyes on his second coming. Living for the sequel. This is one of those times where, if you have some rem- remembrance of last Sunday's text, you may hear similarities between what we looked at last Sunday. And I'm sure all of you remember every word that was said. Um, so, but for those that weren't here, I'm going to f- help fill them in. But in uh, the end of Luke, it's when the women come to the tomb, and what do they encounter in the, the tomb? But Two men dressed in white. And with them, remember, the angels said to them, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Sort of the same thing happens here. Jesus now, in a cloud, ascends to the heavens where he's now enthroned. And the angels say to the disciples there, Okay, he's gone up there, but... Eventually, he will come back, just like you saw him leave. In other words, now it's time to go wait. And to live in this season in between, where we together are waiting for Jesus' return by living for his return. It was really important for them. As as Kelly shared, there's always this little bit of Resistance. To being a witness. It's always you always wonder, man, if I tell folks that I'm a Jesus follower, and and this is why, there's there's almost always some resistance or some regret or like I shouldn't have said that or I went too far. That in in their day it was, as you've heard me say a number of times, it was more than the raised eyebrow, it was the raised sword. In their day they were going to be imprisoned, as we'll read. They are going to be killed. They're going to be martyred. And actually the word martyr comes from martyreo, which is the Greek word for witness. And so they needed to know that Jesus had them. They, they needed to know that what they did uh, was for the kingdom of God and for his return and not for any, anything else. And so too do we. To live in this age according to the ways of the kingdom, which again, what Luke said, this is what those 40 days Jesus was with them. What did he teach them? He taught them about the kingdom of God. He taught them about the ways of living according to the ways of heaven. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, which means we, we love first and foremost. We are people of patience We are are people that are characterized by compassion and grace, just like Jesus. We are committed to the truth. We're committed to standing strong, to live according to the ways of the kingdom. But we do so in grace and truth. We give value to life, to all life, even the life that opposes us. Because everyone's created in the image of God and Jesus tells us to love our enemies. It is not easy in, in, in a world that, that characterized by violence seems to be more than more. Maybe I'm just getting old. I don't know, but it may or maybe it's just reported more. But an age in which violence and fast driving and car wrecks and shootings are in the in more and more places and in more and more ways, and yet we're called to live filled with grace and truth. Not to run and hide, but also not to go run in with anger or to, to, to run in with full of blame. But to run in in grace and truth. Because we're living for Jesus. We're waiting for Him. We're, we're sharing our testimonies. We're sharing what we've seen, what we know to be true in Him by not only what We say but what we do. The power of the resurrection. The explosion of the resurrection. Has ripples still felt today. In us. As a church. As a community of Jesus followers. Where we help, encourage, support one another in all times to trust Him. To wait for Him. To live together for Him. To share with others across the street, across the sea of His good news in our lives so that the whole world may know That he is good. That he is loving. That he is powerful. And that one day we will see him face to face. We wait on him together. Let's pray. Almighty God, we come before you and as we've been praying this month for patience. That you would truly give us your patience. That we would learn to, to wait and trust upon you. Uh, that you indeed, Lord, are our king. And so we obey and follow you above all else. Give us the patience to wait and trust and obey you. And, and Lord, we, we lift up particularly our brothers and sisters around the world. Those who, who face such persecution and opposition. A whole lot more like the, the church did in uh, the first century. We pray that you would be strengthening them, uh, that you would be giving them you would be protecting them, and we pray for change we, we lament the the brokenness of our world that opposes you so directly and Lord, just as we think of our world and our our nation, our city and with shootings in schools happening here in our city just a couple weeks ago and in, in Tennessee uh, and shootings in, in Louisville last week, Lord, we, we know that just the, the, the violence has increased and we lament that brokenness. And we, we ask for your work in us so that we are still strong in you. Even in the midst of the brokenness of our world. Lord, we, we lift up our, our city, our, our nation, we lift up those that you have placed in positions of authority, that they too would be leading in ways, that is in alignment with your kingdom and your wisdom, whether they know it or not. We ask for your, your work in us. We lift up particularly those in our midst um, who are in challenging situations, uh, physical health, uh, spiritual health, relational health. We pray your, your peace, your comfort, your wisdom, your strength to, for us to do what is good in the variety of situations we're in. And We, we lift up particularly uh, Rosa Brinkman and, and family and the death of her husband Tom this week. We pray your peace and comfort upon them and others who are in the the midst of grief. Lord, that that you would bring your your peace, your hope that sure and certain hope of the resurrection would, would be theirs in this time of loss. We lift all these things up to you in the wonderful, powerful name of Jesus, who is our risen king. To Him be all glory. For Him we live. For Him we wait. Come Lord Jesus. Amen.